You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Can you become like Jesus? If so, what does it look like, and how does it happen? Well, it doesn't happen like that. In fact, it's not something we can do at all. When we choose to follow Christ, we become a new creation. The Holy Spirit works in us, renewing our minds and our hearts from the inside out so that we can form to the image of Christ instead of the world around us. Scripture is very clear. Transformation is possible. We can change. We can become more like Jesus. He makes us more like Himself. But what does it look like when someone becomes more like Jesus? Well, we begin to think more like Him. The way we think about God, about other people, even about ourselves, it all lines up with His thoughts. And this affects our actions, what we say, how we react, and how we relate to people naturally changes. Our relationship with God begins to look more like the intimate child-father relationship that Jesus had with God. Our relationships with believers look more like Jesus' friendships with His disciples. And our relationships with others outside the faith begin to resemble Jesus' compassionate and loving response to the large crowds who came to Him. We cannot make ourselves more like Jesus, but we can open ourselves to the work the Spirit wants to do in us. He wants us to become just like Jesus, and He's the one who can do it. So, are you open to becoming just like Jesus? You remember uh, one time I talked to you about a lady handed me a book on a Sunday morning and she said, hey, pastor, I, I was in a store and I saw this book and I thought you might like it and I bought you one. And so hope you enjoy it. And I took the book home and I remember the next week I was looking at the book and I opened it to the very front page. And here's what it said. Just a few words in the middle of the page. It says, uh, God loves you just the way you are. God loves you just the way you are. But He refuses to leave you that way. Because He wants you to become, and you flip the page and it says, just like Jesus. So God loves you just the way you are, but He refuses to leave you that way because He wants you to become just like Jesus. You remember in the book of Romans, Paul talks about how that God is using everything in our life to bring about good and to conform us into the image of His Son. And so it's the desire of God that you and I become like Jesus. I grew up in this small town in Kentucky. And we went to church every Sunday. And from the time that um, I was four years old, my dad started going to church with us. The church that we grew up in was a Nazarene church. 
the, the, the Nazarene church worldwide identifies themselves by three values. Do you know what they are? We would say we are Christian, we are missional, and we are holiness. And so if I asked you, what do you think we mean when we say that we are Christian? You would say, seriously, Rick? I mean, that, that's easy. That's simple. You're saying that, that we are a church that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We are Christian. We are followers of Christ. We are trying to follow Jesus' teachings and His examples. We are trying to be like Jesus. We're a Christian church. We believe Jesus is the Savior of the world. And so if I said, okay, but what, what do you think the church means when we say that we are, we are missional? I think, again, you would say, well, that's pretty easy. That just simply means that we have not only a mandate, but a real desire to share Jesus with everybody. We are always on a mission to share Jesus with other people. We're going to talk about Jesus to anybody we can. So what if I said, what do you think we mean when we say we are holiness? Is there any way you could be really comfortable with this definition? Christ-likeness. What do you think about that for a definition? What if when we say we are holiness, we simply are saying we are Christ-like? You see, I have trouble talking about Christ-likeness or becoming like Jesus without talking about holiness. Or without talking about the power of the Spirit transforming a person's heart. Because when Jesus began to walk on this earth, we begin to see more fully what God was like. The very nature of God. And we begin to see more clearly the life that God is calling us to live. He wants our lives to look like the life of Jesus. I, I, I remember a theology professor that I had when I was at Trevecca Nazarene University. And he used to say, the work of the Spirit and the life of the believer is to reproduce the character of Christ. I, I hope you heard me really well. I want to say it one more time. An old theology professor at Trevecca Nazarene University used to say it that way. He would say, the work of the Spirit in the life of a believer is to reproduce the character of Christ. The work of the Holy Spirit in my life and in your life is to help us become more like Jesus. And so I want, to, I want to show you a picture, a picture of a group of people where the Spirit of God was working in their life to make them look more like Jesus, okay? And you find that picture in the book of Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 23, all right? Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 23. Um, here, here's what's going on. Pentecost occurred and the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and then a few days later, Peter and John encounter this man who is crippled, he can't walk. And so Peter reaches out his hand to the guy and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And so this crippled man stands up and he's healed. Well, it creates quite, you know, a lot of talk. 
In fact, it makes things kind of dicey with the Jewish leaders. And, and they, they end up in front of a Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. And, and finally, they just said, we're going to let you go, but you guys can't ever speak or teach about Jesus anymore, okay? And, and they let him go. And so this is where we get to when we start with verse 23. So on their release, when they released them, Peter and John went back to their own people. And they reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. Uh, they just said that we can't speak or teach in Jesus' name anymore. And so when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And, and I want you to hear for these next few verses what they prayed, okay? They said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea, and you made everything that's in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And now they're quoting David in their prayer. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod, they're still praying, and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand that should happen. In other words, if God wanted to have stopped Jesus from being on the cross, he could have. But God decided that was the plan. So then they pray, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. And all the believers were in one heart and mind. Nobody, not one person claimed that any of their possessions was their own. You know what they did? They shared everything they had with each other. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses, they would sell them. You know what they do with the money? They brought the money from the cells and they put it at the apostles' feet and then it was distributed to anybody who had need. And then he gives an example, like Joseph. He was a Levite from Cyprus whom the apostles called Barnabas and that means son of encouragement. He sold this field that he owned and he brought the money and he put it at the apostles' feet. And so that is this picture, a snapshot of a group of people where the Holy Spirit was working in their lives to make them more like Jesus. I, uh, I grew up in that, in that small church in that Kentucky town. And there was a song that we used to sing quite a bit. It was in our hymnal. In fact, we, we sung it so much that, that I doubt that I ever forget some of the words. And so sometimes when I'm driving my car by myself, some of those old songs come back to me. And this week, that song came back to me. It went like this. I have one deep, supreme desire. Do you know the next line? That I may be 
like Jesus. To this I fervently aspire. I want to be like Jesus. And, and then the words go like this. Uh, I want my heart, your throne to be. So that a watching world can see. And I don't remember the next line, but I, I had it earlier this morning in first service. But I have it written down. And I did say I remember most of the words most of the time. His likeness shining forth in me, I want to be like Jesus. The, the last few lines of the song, that was embarrassing, go like this. Uh, my deepest prayer, my highest goal, I want to be like Jesus. Is there anybody wanting to call time out right here? Is there anybody want to say, hey, Rick, wait, wait right there. Just, just don't move on yet, okay? Because I don't know, Rick, that I would say that my deepest prayer and my highest goal is to be like Jesus. In fact, I don't know that I've ever said those words or words close to those I wonder if there's anybody in the room kind of saying, hey, time out, because I think that is a pretty high goal. I wonder if there's anybody saying, Rick, I'm not for sure that is an attainable goal. And I guess what I wonder most, is there anybody saying, come on, I, I want to hear what you got to say. Go ahead. I want to talk about this some. I want to think about this some. I think that probably should be my goal. In the fourth chapter of Acts, there is this difficult tension between early Christians and Jewish leaders in that religious community. Difficult tension. And so the tension starts back with Jesus. And, and, and they say, we don't know what to do with Jesus. And finally they made a decision, a firm decision. We would be better off if we just did away with Jesus. And so they had him killed. They, they put him on a cross. They crucified him. He's gone. Good. We have you know, washed our hands of this guy. That's over. That's behind us. Life is going to be better now. And to be honest with you, for the next 30 to 40 days, that was pretty much the case. Jesus almost went away. The followers were very quiet. They were pretty much in hiding. There was not much going on. But then on the day of Pentecost, God did something incredible. And he filled the believers with the Holy Spirit. And now they weren't quiet any longer. In fact, they had this tenacity about them. They had this renewed zeal. And all of a sudden, they had this new energy. And they are gung-ho. They are loud about it. They're telling everybody about it. They're speaking boldly about Jesus to everybody they come into contact with. Everything has changed. And so Peter and John one day are on the way to the temple because that's how life is. You live life every day. 
And it's every day, day by day that you do life. Pentecost was awesome, but now you got to go back to life. And in the morning after Pentecost is over, what do you do? You get up and you go about your day. That's the way you live life. That's the way I live life. One day, that's the way that story is told. The days become months, the months become years, and we mark the years and say, okay, we've had another date, another date of our life, another year of our life. I, uh, I had a birthday just uh, recently. My, my, my best birthday joke that I had this year was uh, one day God says, I got an idea, let's just mess with men. At some point in their lives, let's just take all their hair off their head. And, and then God says, no, even better. Let's take that hair and just blow it out their ears and nose. <laughs> and so the other day I'm doing a little trimming and uh, I said, good one, you got me. That was good. That was good. But that's the way life is. It's, it's every day. Pentecost was awesome, but you got to get up and you got to go live the next day. And so one day... Luke tells the story, Peter and John, one day they go to the temple. And there's a guy who can't walk. Peter reaches out his hand and he says to him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. The man is healed and the people are astonished and they begin to praise God. Peter and John gets to address all the onlookers and tell them about Jesus. It lands them in front of the Sanhedrin. They have the power to hurt these guys pretty bad. What, what, what are you trying to say? And Peter and John says, we're trying to say that the guy was healed in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. They don't know really what to do. They say, okay, here's what we're going to tell you. You can't talk about Jesus anymore. And Peter and John says, you've got to judge for yourself what is right, but we can't stop talking about what we have seen and heard. And because the people were so excited, they said, we don't know how to punish these guys. And so they let them go. And when they are released... They go back to their people, and that is where we begin to see this picture of a group of people that are being conformed into the image of Jesus. That's what happens. See, when I, when I look at these new believers, and I see what's happening, and Luke gives this report, he basically says, there's a lot of worshiping going on. And there's a whole lot of fellowshipping going on. And there's a whole lot of sharing the gospel going on. And he gives us the same report in chapter 4 that he gives us in chapter 2. That they were devoted to prayer, and they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, and they were devoted to the breaking of bread. And everybody was amazed at the signs and wonders and miracles that were being performed. And they gave to each other as they had need. And the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. And Luke is saying there's a whole lot of worshiping going on. And there's a whole lot of fellowshipping going on. And there's a whole lot of sharing the gospel going on. And then in chapter 4, Luke says, By the way, just to let you know, there's still a whole lot of worshiping going on and there's a lot of fellowshipping going on and there's a lot of sharing of the gospel going on. And, and so when I, when I look at these believers, you know, you know what they begin to look like to me? Do you know what they begin to act like? Do you know whose life they begin to reflect? They begin to look like Jesus and they begin to act like Jesus 
and their lives begin to reflect the life of Jesus. Filled with the Spirit, they start looking like Christ. And so what do they do? They begin to lift their voices in prayer. And it's not because we're looking like we might be in trouble. Luke has already said, this is the way of life for these people. This defines these people. These are people of prayer. These are people of worship. Every day they go to the temple courts. They're putting time into the apostles' teaching. These are people of worship. What, what Wasn't it Jesus that people would say, where did he go? We came looking for you. And the Bible says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus gets up and he goes to a quiet place where he does what? Where he prays. The disciples go into town after a big miracle is performed, but Jesus goes to the mountain. Why are you going to the mountain? I want to go pray. One time he goes to the mountain and the Bible says he stayed there all night where he prayed. And then you see the disciples in the book of Acts, chapter 2. And what are they doing? Sharing with one another. Nobody claims they own any possessions. It's all ours. And they're praying with one another. And they're investing in one another. And they're eating in in each other's homes. And, And wasn't it Jesus who said, Foxes have dens. And the birds of the air, they have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He claimed no earthly possession. And he invested his life in these 12 men. And he did life with friends like Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And they begin to pray, God, give us boldness to share the word. Even though they told us not to say it, you make us bold. We want to be witnesses. And and wasn't it Jesus who developed this reputation of being a guy who hung out with sinful people? And he goes to a guy's house whose name is Matthew. And there's nobody there but sinners. And people go, why does he always hang around sinners? And Jesus' response was, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. My wife Annette made a friend with a girl at a bank. Her name was Lauren. And, and they got to be pretty good friends. And they were trying to spend time with each other. And one day Lauren says to Annette, she says, your husband is like a pastor, right? Annette says, yeah, he, he, he pastors a church. And she said, he probably wouldn't come to one of our parties, would he? And Annette said, well, no, that's not true. Rick Rick would come to one of your parties. She says, but we're not like you guys. None of our friends that we'll invite to this party, four or five couples, they're not not like you. We're We're not Christians. There's, there's alcohol at our parties, a lot of alcohol usually. He wouldn't come to that kind of party, right? And Annette says, no, Lauren, we, we would come to your party. She says, you really would? Yeah. Okay, we're having a party. 
you guys come. Annette came home elated. Lauren has invited us to her house with a bunch of her friends for a party. And so, so we go to the party and um, she was honest with Annette about what the party would be like. We didn't go in blind. We knew where we were going. And, uh, and they were friendly. And there was a game on. Most everybody was kind of hanging out in the kitchen because everybody brought drinks. And it seemed like the fun of the party was making drinks. And they kept trying to make, hey, Rick, can I make you a drink? Ah, Diet Coke. I'm good with the Diet Coke right here, you know. And, and, hey, Rick, can I make you a drink? Let me make you a drink. I'm, I'm good. I'm thinking to myself, at what point do I just start drinking Coke straight up? You know, live a little. <laughs> give me the sugar. Give me a classic, you know. No, I'm good. I got the Coke. I'm, I'm, I'm good. And so the party's progressing and we're hanging around. And these people were nice people, very nice to us, very friendly. They didn't know us. They just knew that Annette was a friend that Lauren had met at a bank. And so a couple hours into the party, standing in the kitchen, because that's where the action was. And they start telling jokes. They weren't, they weren't dirty jokes. Don't misunderstand me. They just weren't as funny as my jokes. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send one out and see how it does, you know. And so I tell a joke, and they loved it, which is not always good for me because it kind of fuels my fire. And so I tell another joke, and before you know it, I mean, I am feeling like a comedian. These people are bent over laughing, and I'm feeling like I'm one of the funniest guys in the world. I probably should have considered their condition. Maybe I wasn't as funny as I thought they were. But I remember after this one joke, and they are laughing hard and I'm feeling like a comedian and I'm a hit, this girl finally just says, Rick, you're hilarious. What do you do? (laughs) And I look at her with a big smile on my face and I said, I'm a pastor. I pastor a church. I'm not going to lie, it got a little awkward. A guy walker saved the day when he said, so do you do sermons? And I said, every week, walker, every week. I I wish I could tell you that we made a a great impact that night. The the only thing I can really report to you is that at one point a gal says to me, hey, let let me ask you something. And I stepped kind of into the hallway with her and she said, "Uh, I I was raised going to church, but I I haven't been for years and my parents pray for me. They think I'm going to hell. Maybe, maybe I should go back and I've been thinking about going back. Would you maybe pray for me? And so I promised her that I would pray for her. But when we got in our car and we started to drive away, we were stoked. We were pumped. Because the Jesus that I claim to follow put himself in situations like that often. The Jesus that I claim to follow kept hanging out with people like that. The Jesus that I claim to want to be like hung around people who were sinners. And when I look at the book of Acts in chapter 4 and in chapter 2, what I find is something amazing happening. These people start acting like Jesus. 
And they start investing their lives in people who are sinful. I want to just kind of give you a snapshot, an overview of the first eight chapters of the book of Acts, okay? Let me put the verses on the slide for you, and you'll just kind of see what I mean. Now, this is at Pentecost. About 3,000 were added to their number that day, okay? And then in verse 47, it says, and the Lord added to the number daily people who were being saved, all right? And then it says, but many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So now we don't have 3,000 believers, we got 5,000 believers. And then it says, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. So the thing is just growing. Look at chapter 5, verse 42. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So this was just a way of life. This is how the people live. This is how they function. Look at chapter 6. So the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Now we have rapid growth. Everything is happening. People are hearing the gospel because these people are starting to look more like Jesus and they talk about Jesus boldly to everybody they find. And then in chapter 8, major persecution is happening in the church. They've got to scatter for their lives. And it says those who had been scattered, they preached the word of God wherever they went. Where they landed, They talk to people about Jesus. The Jesus we claim to follow spent time with people who were sinful. Can you point back to a time in your life where you say, I spoke the word of God boldly, Pastor Rick. The people who lead our children's ministries are asking you to speak the word of God boldly. They're asking you to, on your way out the door this morning, pick up this packet. And and in the packet is a glow stick. And on the packet it says bfckidsonline.org. And there's a barcode that if you scan, it will take you immediately to a, uh, to a video on your phone that talks about kids' ministries here at Bethany First Church. You may say, I don't understand that barcode. Don't worry, those five- and six-year-olds, they understand it very well. They'll be able to see it and they'll, they'll get it on their phone. And what they're saying is, Sometimes the only time your neighbor knocks on your door is on October 31st to do trick-or-treating. Would you be willing to be bold? And would you be willing to put one of these and say to your kids or to the families, hey, we go to a great church, and at our church the pastor always talks about investing in kids. I mean, at our church we love kids. Would you want to take one of these? Hey, if you scan that, you can learn more about us. Would you be bold Thursday night and share the Word of God? In the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says, in your relationships, 
For years, I have talked about being Christian is really about how I nurture my relationship with the Father and how I relate and nurture my relationships with you, other believers, and how I nurture and handle my relationships with people who don't know Jesus. That's, that's what I believe the essence of being a Christian is. And to do that like Jesus did it is the goal. And so Paul says, in your relationships with one another, do you know what mindset you should have? Do you know how you should think and function in those relationships? In your relationships with one another, you should have the mindset of Christ Jesus. In your relationships with one another, you should be like Jesus. That's what you should be like. And then he says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, another way he says, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. Or I want you to follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Because the goal and the standard and the measure from this point on for us is that we want to be like Jesus. My deepest prayer, my highest goal, I want to somehow become like Christ. So this is a warning flag, and I'm waving it to beat the band up here. Can you see me? Warning, danger. Don't ever get to the point that you say, Rick, I think I can do this. I think I can pull myself up by the seat of my pants, and I think I can become like him. You cannot. You will fall on your face. You will fail miserably. The only hope of you becoming like Jesus is the same hope the people in the book of Acts had, and that is to experience life transformation. It's about praying that God will make me like Jesus. It's saying that I want the power of the Spirit to work in my life as a believer, to reproduce in me the character of Christ. That's my only hope. I've been honest with my wife, Annette, lately, and we've been praying about me. There's something in my life that I don't like, and I want to change. And in my effort to change, the other day I failed pretty miserably. And Annette was sitting at her desk, and I walked in, and I put my hands on her desk, and I got myself down to her eye level, and I said, listen to me, I am not giving up. I will become better, but not because I can do it in my own power. God is going to change me. Not with the people I work with and not with you, but just in my own family circle. Sometimes I can be a little negative. If something doesn't go the way I hoped it would, I can get a little low. Is there any women that want to testify about your husbands while we're on this? (laughs) And I have determined in my heart that God can change me. But I cannot change myself. And so I am praying that the work of the Spirit in my heart will be to reproduce in me the character of Jesus. That's my only hope. 
Amen? You want to be like Jesus? Is there anybody saying, Rick, I want my deepest prayer and my highest goal to be to be like Jesus? Not there yet. But that's what I want. Is there anybody saying, no, 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 no. My deepest prayer, my highest goal is to be like Jesus. You want to stand with me? I came to first service this morning knowing that there was this group of people that wanted to come down and pray and they wanted a pastor to anoint them and pray for healing on behalf of a friend of theirs. And so when it came time to, to sing, which is a prayer as well, we, we had those people come and Pastor Lewis met them and he anointed them and prayed for them. And, and so it may be that this morning there, there's somebody that you love or, or in your own life you would just say, um, I need God's healing I'm dealing with some physical stuff and there'll be pastors here and all you have to do is walk up to one of them and just say, would you pray for me? It may not be physical healing that you need. It may be something else in your life and you want a pastor to pray with you. You can just walk up and ask them and they'll pray with you or if you just want to pray on your own, you can just kneel there and pray on your own. It may be that you feel today like that life couldn't be better And that God's blessings are just being poured out from heaven onto you. And you think, God, I don't deserve. And you feel the need to get on your knees and just give God thanks. Or it could be that there's somebody in your life that you're praying for, that you're concerned about. It may be somebody that doesn't know the Lord. It's kind of challenged you this morning just hearing about the boldness of these people. And you're saying... I want to be a witness. You want to pray about that? You can come and pray. It could be. It could be this morning that you're saying, I want to be like Jesus. And I can't do that in my own strength. And I'm going to get on my knees. And I'm going to say, God, by the power of your Spirit, I'm asking you to change me. So if you want to come and pray this morning, I think it's great that we end our times together in prayer. God speaks to us. So how do you respond to God? So you can, you can remain where you are and you can pray there and you can pray the words of the song. Or you can come here and you can pray. But in these next few moments, I'm challenging you to spend some time with the Father, would you? So to be like, give all I have just to know, Jesus, there's no one beside you, forever the hope in my heart. Oh, to be
just to be like you to give all we have just to know you it sometimes is beyond me Lord that you hear me pray and that you're hearing all of us pray in this moment not just that you hear but you push up your sleeves and you get involved in our lives and our situations you wouldn't have called us to this life in your word if you weren't going to make it possible for us to live it and that's our confidence that's our faith that's our hope
And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So linger as long as you want. God bless you. Have a good day. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.